Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Like I said, I think we need to do the best we can through this situation, and hopefully we get back to normal before long. Uh, you know, we're talking a lot about football problems. There's bigger problems out there, people that aren't going to work, that aren't getting paychecks, that are laid off. Nebraska people all need to rally around each other and be supportive uh, of people that are really in need, and, and we're looking for opportunities to do that as a football team, too, because I know there's people with bigger problems than what we have, and uh, hopefully we all do what we're supposed to do so so we can get back to normal. And welcome here to this edition of the Husker Online Show. That was Nebraska head coach Scott Frost on Tuesday night uh, on the Husker Sports Network on Sports Nightly as uh, it was the first real public comments we've heard uh, from anybody from the football program since uh, you know March 12th, 13th. Actually, we had the press conference uh, on that Monday. Then Nebraska conducted two practices on Monday, Wednesday, and then Thursday things got shut down. Um, as now it's been two weeks um, since things really all kind of completely uh, shut down. And you know it was interesting, guys. This hearing Scott Frost, he's like a lot of us. He goes, "I'm anxious." Uh, I'm bored right now, like a lot of people, um, but you just got to do what you can do right now, Robin and Nate, uh, with, with the time you have and, and, and try to maximize what you can do with, with it. Well, and it's so hard too, especially, you know, we we're talking about a roster of 150 guys that are literally spread out across the country. I mean, um, there's a small percentage of players that are even here right now. So Frost and his staff's ability to just manage their program um, is extremely difficult right now. And they're relying on uh, players taking a lot of personal responsibility to keep themselves in shape, eat the right things, uh, stay up on their academics with these online courses. And I mean, there's just a lot of unknowns right now. So the, the sooner that they can get their guys back together in the same building, uh, obviously the better. But right now, I mean, like you said, Frost is like everyone else, just kind of uh, watching this thing progress day by day, hour by hour. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I kind of embraced the way that he, he did uh, talk about the big picture of it all uh, because it is a lot bigger than football. But uh, at the same time, I definitely don't envy his job right now trying to keep track of 150 guys that are all over the place. Um, you know, it's hard enough to keep tabs on those guys when they're in Lincoln on campus and, and essentially, you know, <laughs> all inside Memorial Stadium between the meeting rooms and the, the locker room and training room and academics, cafeteria, whatever. I mean, it's all located in one place. Uh, but now these guys are spread all over the country. Um, you don't know who's doing what. Uh, you've got incoming signees that, that uh, you know, are, are trying to finish high school that you got to worry about. I mean, there's there's a lot of different things that the, uh, Frost and the staff are dealing with right now. And let's face it, guys, when you look at, you know, what they're faced with these kids in terms of the food, the academic side of it, and the strength and conditioning, there's going to be a drop-off. They're just, you know, that's just the reality of it. But can you can you – slow down that drop off with your team um you know most guys don't have access as scott frost said last you know to an actual weight room i mean that's a challenge i mean very few people have olympic weight sets at their house because you gotta have a pretty big space uh to have that high school gyms where they live are locked up uh there's only one gym we know in lincoln open and we don't even know why they're open it's kind of i mean so there's really very few places to go and lift um other than your house you can do whatever you have you, you can go run um, outside, you can go run, as Scott Frost said, on a field somewhere. Do you know agility drills? Uh, the the nutrition thing is huge too. If you're not around Lincoln, um, just the fueling pros, um, you know aspect of what Dave Ellis provides day to day. You take that away. I mean, that is as important, probably Robin to me, as the lifting side. So you just hope that you know the the losses across the country, not just Nebraska, but everywhere, um, aren't going to be too big because. People work really hard to get these teams to where they got where they get to. Yeah, I think the nutrition aspect of it is far more important than the actual strength and conditioning. I mean, you can get uh, bulked up pretty quickly, but uh, if you don't have the the right 
meal plan uh, and are eating enough and enough of the right food. Uh, how many players do you see that, you know, move on from football, graduate, whatever, and then don't go on and play in the pros and they go from 300 pound linemen to looking like normal people within like the span of a year. I mean, that's how quickly you can lose all those gains to get bro on look you. at uh, uh steinkuhler ty yeah. when you see ty steinkuhler now you don't even recognize I mean, the they're guy. still big guys but they're not football player big. they're not fueled yeah. up yeah. and so i mean that i mean that's the biggest concern right now because there are guys that are going back home that aren't around campus that uh you're relying on them to not only eat enough but eat the right stuff don't eat fast food and you're talking about guys that have you know very limited means i'm sure at home to be able to eat that much well they're still getting their checks Still. But are they going to really spend their fourteen hundred dollar a month check on twenty like said, on so twenty dollars steaks at Hy-Vee? Goes, Probably not. It goes back to the the personal responsibility that you're counting on every one of these guys having, and so the, that's the next layer to this thing. Assuming that there is a season uh, next year, what's it going to look like with a bunch of guys that are trying to get themselves back into high level football shape after having you know limited to hardly any uh, exp- exposure to weight rooms or even the proper nutrition? Yeah, it's totally the nutrition aspect of it all that that is probably the biggest uh, obstacle to to work around I mean there's a big difference between eating 6,000 or 7,000 calories of uh, food that Dave Ellis has has, uh, personally put together for you uh, in in what frozen pizzas or I mean what I don't know 20 piece from canes yeah exactly so (laughs) the kinetic combo yeah so uh, we love canes there's a there's a it's a huge difference and so um, and some of these guys too, I mean, depending on where they're at, you know, they might be shelter in place or whatever. Um, you know, so who knows what, if they're even, even able to, to really get out to, to mm-hmm. get a whole lot. So, um, yeah, the, just the, everything, there's so many layers to this. Uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's crazy to, th- to really think about the financial element guys intrigues me too. Cause okay, let's say they're still getting their check that, you know, we know that, but you know, if, if you're not able to receive meal services is nebraska allowed to reimburse those guys what their meal stipend money would have been on the scholarship i mean I, we don't i don't know that i know steve rosen our business writer he's trying to put together a story on the financial side of this and it's not easy to get a lot of answers right now because people don't know mm-hmm. uh, but there is a humongous financial element where this story i mean big 10 media days if it happens we assume it's going to happen can you imagine just all the it's just going to be dominated by coronavirus related things at big 10 media days yeah you'd think that they'd almost bring in all the athletic directors to have you know they, a, a more informed uh you know point of view on that just to sit there and ask a bunch of football coaches all this stuff i mean uh yeah i mean there's there's a lot uh that goes well beyond what's going on on the field to talk about and you know that brings the next question i mean assuming there is a season what's that season going to look like are they going to have to alter the schedule a little bit to either reduce the number of games or uh, you know make it a spectatorless uh stadium or, or are they going to space games out to where you're giving guys you know maybe every other week uh to re heal and get back into in, into shape and, and recover uh with a necessary amount of time without having an entire off season of training yourself well yeah, and i think that uh everything's got to be on the table right now considering the amount of money that that college football brings in and and how important it is for for all the other athletic programs at each university. I mean, football pays everybody's bills uh, pretty much everywhere yeah. every, at every school. And so, I mean, it's it's got to happen. Otherwise, uh, there's going to be a lot of other sports that are that are hurting or going to have athletic departments shut down. can f- crumble. Yeah, it's. I mean, Nebraska. Um, you know, they're luckily they're in a in a good financial position, but. Um, you, you have to think there's some athletic directors around the country right now that are sweating bullets. And this is where Nebraska being one of the only Power 5 schools debt-free is huge. Now, obviously, they just took on debt with the new facility, but most of that's going to be paid for. Um, you know, there's not going to be much of a loan taken out for that. But, yeah, you talk about a lot of people are like, could the season be canceled? I mean, we're so far away from that t- talk right now. I mean, the Olympics is postponed a year. I mean, that, that should get your attention, but that's yeah. a worldwide multi you know melting pot mixing event of everybody coming together in asia and japan uh, where that with what's going on now that wouldn't be good well and two there's also trials that go on to that too i mean so like to even get your olympic qualifiers set you need the trials and so i mean those take place obviously well in advance of the olympics and so i mean the olympics is a much different story than college football college football as big as it is is a much more controllable entity to where i mean you can find ways around uh you know keeping players safe and all that stuff but let me ask you this nate and robin hundred thousand people ninety thousand people sitting butt to butt elbow to elbow 
a lot of them over the age of 50 in Memorial Stadium or other college football stadiums in the, around the country. Today, right now, that doesn't feel like it's it's good. Like no. that 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 that's a you know because I don't see the there being enough sanitizer and things to to properly handle that. So that to me is is something that has to be looked at down the road. Uh, but to me, that money is so great and it trickles down to the group of five, the FCS, to everybody else in the in the in the in the country that they have to play these games on TV somehow if they you know I I think no they'll play in empty stadiums in my opinion yeah. before they cancel a college football state season. Yeah cuz I mean I think schools can deal with the loss of ticket revenue and concession revenue and all that stuff the TV money I mean that is what is keeping athletic departments afloat in a lot of cases I mean the, the amount that schools in the Big 10 get from that Big 10 network check uh, I mean that losing that like I said would be detrimental to a lot of schools unless it's still unsafe for the players to be practicing and and you know for for the you know school to be open and you know i like we said we're still a long ways away from that but um you know this is all assuming that 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 curve gets flattened pretty pretty quick uh, I, I think right now i mean it's anybody's guess what exactly is going to happen yeah and pete thamel from yahoo did a story and you know there are athletic directors around the country that they don't want to talk about mm-hmm. it but they are starting to wrap their minds around potentially having to have that conversation about what the season could look like. All right, we'll continue this discussion next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Yeah, I think for most student-athletes around the country, lifting weights is tough. Unless you have access to a home gym or, or something, uh, there's just not places open where you can congregate and do those types of things. Uh, I know I've talked to a lot of guys, they're still able to go out on a field by themselves and run. And anything uh, our guys can be doing right now to try not to lose the games that they've made is important. Uh, so we're communicating that with our guys. We kind of give them a, a workout schedule that if they're able to follow while they're home, then it's going to benefit them. But like I said, we're kind of in a holding pattern like everybody, and, and our first priority is uh, the health of uh, everybody involved. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus as this story um, with the COVID-19 shutdown across the country and, and related to just college athletics right now it's just going to be an onion. It's going to, you're just going to peel off layer and layer and layer and layer, and it's going to continue. Um, and it's really going to carry the news cycle for this year and maybe years to come. Um, and, you know, one of the layers to this onion, guys, is academics and eligibility for both football and basketball. The ACT, the SAT have both uh, canceled their spring dates. Um, which for juniors, that's primary. When you're a junior, April is your, your biggest ACT date because your math is up to speed at that point. That's when you should be most prepared to take it. Now, some kids take it earlier than that, um, and obviously some have to take it later uh, to get a better score. Uh, but those dates have been canceled. School, um, for the most part in this country, is homeschool only, optional homework, um, grades won't be really full letter grades in a lot of places. Um, almost like a pass, no pass type system is going to be put into place. And a lot of these states, especially in public school systems that have to abide more by a, a uniform system. So it's going to open up all these questions with the, for the NCAA, what counts, what doesn't, you know, how do we rule guys ineligible and eligible and for Nebraska football for Nebraska basketball, you know, they bring in a lot of guys that might tow that line and and it's going to lead to a lot of debate, a lot of question for the NCAA, how to rule Nate on these different situations. Yeah, I mean, do you can guys apply for a waiver? Um, you know, it's not if you need a certain test score and the the testing date that you were set up to to you know to do the test is is wiped out then then what um, or you know if you were prepping for that test at school uh, with with a teacher or with with whoever uh, and you're not able to go to school anymore then then uh, you know that's, that's not your fault and so I think that um, there's going to be a lot of questions and and I think there I don't know if there's going to be waivers or that are granted or or if they um, you know, lower the standards or, or what, what they do. But 
Um, you know, the bottom line is that this impacts a lot of guys, especially a lot of incoming guys, uh, you know, signees that needed to take care of a few things. And, um, you know, and, and for, for some guys, maybe, maybe it's a blessing, you know, maybe it was hard for them to get to school. And, and, you know, that was, that's something that why, why they weren't doing good in school because it, you know, they just, they didn't have the stability or, or the type of, uh, support system around them to even get there in the first place. But other guys, they needed that structure. Um, and, and now they're at home and, and, you know, maybe trying to, to learn on their own uh, online or, or whatever. And, and, uh, and some guys that just doesn't work. Some guys aren't mature enough. Some guys aren't cut out. Uh, that's just not how they learn. And so, um, yeah, it's going to be really fascinating to see how this is handled, not just at Nebraska, but across the board with NCAA and all the other institutions. Yeah. I think basically the NCAA is going to have to just take a pass on this year as far as how strict they're going to be about their academic requirements uh, because there are so many variables that are unprecedented where kids have no options as far as being able to take the ACT or SAT. Uh, I mean, there are recruits right now that, uh, you know, look at for the college basketball world, guys that are potentially wanting to reclassify up from the 21 class to 2020 they can't take the SAT or ACT in order to get themselves academically eligible to graduate and you know be cleared by the NCAA. And so you know, what do they do there? I mean, when a guy has all the grades necessary to make that jump, but doesn't have the ACT score, you know, are you still going to hold that guy from going to college, you know, just because he can't take the, the, the required test. And so, I mean, um, yeah. And there be like, I'm sure when, like you mentioned the football, but basketball as well, let's look at a guy like Teddy Allen. Uh, I mean, he, uh, still has some coursework he needs to finish up at Western Nebraska, but he can't take classes there and he can't be around his professors and he can't be around his tutors that were out there. So he's back in Omaha right now, basically trying to figure this stuff out on his own, making sure that he gets the class he needs to become eligible. And let's face it, guys, we watched last chance. You, Nate, you worked at Iowa Western for a while. I mean, these JUCOs aren't set up um, to really provide the resources um, to, to, to get, I mean, a lot of these kids through. Because a lot of guys that go to a junior college are already borderline lower students in, in most cases. And then to ask them to almost do like their own type of coursework and studying. And I remember UNL used that when we were in school, you could do like poli sci and psych. You could do it like online only. And you had to do the work yourself, go in and take the test. And there are some people that could get it done in like a week, and then some people were not cut out for it. And I, I just can't imagine a lot of junior college guys without the resources around them in the building day to day being set up. I um, mean, there's a lot of high school guys in the same boat sure. that they need that day to day kind of kick in the butt to, to get through these things. And without that, um, it's going to cause a lot of problems. So, yeah, you would hope the NCAA is going to be very lenient on what really is a once-in-a-lifetime deal right now. Well, and especially with the move to you know, pass-no-pass, where kids are being able to essentially take classes without the grade. They'll get credit for them, but they don't get the grade. How does that factor into GPA requirements? When you're not getting a letter grade for your work, uh, I mean, that changes your whole uh, percentage point on a GPA. So, I mean, it's this is something that the NCAA has to kind of just understand the situation, make some pretty severe compromises to uh, make it, doable for a kid to go to college to sit there and say that this kid can't go to school um, because even though he did all the work that was required of him under some uh, very unique circumstances he doesn't have the proper numbers or letters or whatever it may be on his transcript you're going to say he can't go to school I mean I mean that's that's going to be a really bad look on an institution that has enough black eyes as it is well and that's that's my whole stance on it I mean there should not be any doors closed on these kids with, because of a pandemic of a, you know, hopefully a once in a lifetime type of situation. Uh, I mean, this, this whole deal should not close anybody, a door on, on some kid, um, especially guys who are doing all the right things. Uh, but, you know, maybe they, maybe they screwed up when they're a freshman or sophomore in high school or whatever, um, but they've, they're on the right track and, and they, they just had those last final pieces. Maybe they need to to raise their, their core GPA up. And so they're retaking a couple in English and a math class. And well, <laughs> now what, uh, or whatever. Um, so I just, yeah, I hope that, you know, from as far as the high schools go and, and as far as the, the colleges go, I hope there are no doors that are slammed shut on some of these guys. And, you know, it, it will be interesting just to see how long it takes. Cause you know, the date for newcomers typically to arrive in, in on campuses is late May, early June, um, you know, if there's somebody that hasn't been cleared by the clearinghouse, 
you know, how long will the NCAA take to drag their feet on this? Because, you know, it, you know, are you going to make some of these guys wait all the way till July, August? Or will you just pass them through the clearinghouse in June? I mean, that, that, that's another layer. So I'm sure we'll be talking about this um, a lot more guys here over the coming weeks and months. Uh, but when we come back, uh, we're talking Nebraska basketball with Robin. The Huskers are going to, uh, you know, rekindle an old flame with the Big Eight foe in Kansas City next year. Uh, Robin broke that story this week, uh, and we'll have more basketball talk next year. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, talking Nebraska basketball, Robin. And uh, we found out this week you broke the story. Uh, Nebraska and Kansas State are going to be playing a game in Kansas City next year. And that will be interesting. Kind of reminds you a little bit um, of that Sioux Falls deal, but there's more to it. And John Rostin kind of added the rest of mm-hmm. – um, you know what's going to be going on it's a three-game series yeah three games over three years and uh, you know as we reported the the neutral site game in kansas city um next season at the sprint center uh which (laughs) is a pretty awesome event right there uh that is the first of three games the next one um will be in the 2021-22 season uh in lincoln and then the third game will be down in manhattan uh, in 2022-23. So uh, Nebraska locked up a nice non-conference Power 5 opponent uh, for the next three years. And, you know, with that neutral site games, those have so much value, um, you know, because of the way that the, the, the net system works and the quad, uh, you know, you get more points for playing away from home. And with a neutral site, you play away from home without technically having to play a true road game. So it's kind of the best of both worlds for for both teams. So um, a nice series, and hopefully they continue to do more stuff like that. And honestly, a money saver for both schools. Um, you get to play a major conference opponent. Uh, Manhattan's two hours from Lincoln. Kansas City's three hours from Lincoln. Um, my guess is they would bust to all of that. Uh, I, I know... <laughs> Um, I don't know. Fred and Matt Abdelmasi flew to Grand Island, so <laughs> we'll see what they're doing. Yeah, I know uh, one year Bill Callahan, they played a um, – and Nate, you might remember this. I'll bring Nate Klaus in for this discussion. But Nebraska played um, an 06 game, and it was before when the TV package was kind of a mess, and they put it on pay-per-view. And Peterson negotiated that because it's on pay-per-view, they'll bust Manhattan into night game, and then they'll fly a plane back um, just to, to not have to ride Highway 77 at night. Yeah, it was, and that flight home was like, it was like 30 minutes or something like that. And Jay Terry, I, I still remember him saying that he wanted to prove a point that he could beat the team back because it takes so long to load the plane and do all this and this. And I think Jay Terry said he was only like five or 10 minutes behind the, the plane the time it landed. But um, anyway, it's a good opportunity for the fans. Um, Kansas State is the closest Power Five, you know, Creighton, obviously, but in terms of Power Five football school. To, to Lincoln. So it makes sense for a lot of reasons, and I think a lot of fans on both sides will, will embrace this. Yeah, that Kansas City game is going to be fun. So obviously you'd think that it would be a K-State heavy crowd, but uh, just seeing the response on message board and uh, social media, I think there's a lot of Nebraska fans interested. Anytime they get a chance to go cheer on Nebraska in Kansas City, they're going to jump all over it. So that will be at least be a 50-50 split, and it will be nothing like the Husker-dominated crowd in Sioux Falls where Oklahoma State was technically playing a neutral site game, but it was like a 95 to 5% and maybe, crowd break. Maybe up. not even 5%. Yeah, I mean, Oklahoma State probably had like maybe 20 fans there, and the rest of it was all Nebraska. That was still one of the high points. I mean, at that point, I still remember that day in Sioux Falls. You left that arena that night thinking, man, like Nebraska's going to be like a four seed in the tournament. Well, those first two months, I mean, they whipped Creighton, whipped Seton, Seton Hall, Hall uh, whipped Oklahoma State. I mean, they were... And they played... Can- was that the year they played Kansas at home to the wire? And no, they lost. Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah, they lost. I mean, Oh, it was, yeah, it was when the, they, missed the th- <laughs> they missed the shot. That's right. And the Kansas guy that made the three in the corner. Yeah, the, the foreign dude. Yep. So anyway, so you look at what this next uh, year or brings as far as non-conference schedule, they've kind of got a decent uh, slate set up already with obviously uh, the game against Kansas State, uh, the game against Creighton, the Big Myrtle Ten Beach. ACC ch- challenge. Uh, they'll be back in the Gavit game. They weren't in this past season, uh, and I'm pretty sure the way that the, the cycle um, goes around, the Nebraska will be back in it. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, the Myrtle Beach Invitational um, in November, uh, that field consists of Dayton, Utah State, Missouri, 
Pitt, Penn, Loyola, and Charlotte. So, um, you know, I mean, that's a, a pretty decent field that, you know, has some fun storylines in there. We'll see what the bracket looks like. But that's a pretty good start to your non-conference slate. And it shows that they are far more willing to schedule aggressively than they were going into year one. Year one, they knew exactly what uh, they were going to be getting themselves into and tried to make that road as easy as possible. Clearly, it didn't work uh, the way they had hoped. But um, I think going into year two, they're a lot more confident in the roster that they have in place uh, to go ahead and, and schedule a little tougher and put some bigger names on that schedule that uh, I'm sure fans will be all for it. So they'll have any, how many bye games, five or six? Yeah, I, I, I'd have to. It depends on if they play 30 or 31 games. I mean, that kind of just depends. But, uh, yeah, usually you'll get a, a couple – uh, throwaway games at the beginning of the year and then at the end of December over Christmas because it's 10 or 12 non-con games well it's either 10 or 11 10 or 11 okay yeah because they play 30 or 31 games depending on just how the schedule shapes and up. you're seeing more teams go to these 20 game conference schedules the Big East with Connecticut joining next year mm-hmm. um, they're they're gonna I'm assuming going to 20 I mean that only makes sense yeah. um, to for their TV partners as well yeah. one of those buy games I forgot to mention is Cleveland State and Cleveland State is interesting because the head coach of Cleveland State is Dennis Gates the brother of Nebraska assistant Armand Gates so a little family feud there Gavit game will be interesting who they draw I mean I'd assume since Nebraska finished so poorly you would think it would be more of a bottom Big East team would it be like a DePaul mm-hmm. or yeah. Somebody I mean, they haven't played because they played Villanova. St. John's. St. John's. Uh, they played Seton Hall. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they can't play Creighton. Um, so, you know, I'll be curious who they end up – because they, they don't want you to play the same uh, – but if in the big in the ACC Challenge. Yeah, Nebraska, they don't care. <laughs> they'll play Clemson every year. <laughs> old or- let's, let's, let's replay old Orange Bowls with Nebraska. Yeah, exactly. the, yeah, Virginia Tech and Clemson. Those are like the only draws. And Miami. Oh, yeah, Miami. That was a good one. And Florida State. Yeah, like I said, it's it's the Orange Bowl classic for Nebraska every year in the ACC <laughs> Challenge. Like, like it'd be nice once to get Notre Dame. Yeah, well, I think Nebraska needs to get better to draw those types of games, but hopefully that'll happen soon. But I mean, again, I'm I think that this schedule uh, shows a little bit of the confidence the staff has in, in what year two could be. I know there's a lot of questions surrounding the roster uh, of you know all the new faces that are going to be coming in here, but you don't go ahead and do a neutral site game against Kansas State in Kansas City without feeling pretty good about your chances. All right, what um, now roster stuff recruiting-wise, Robin, um, I mean, give us a rundown kind of what's been going on behind the scenes. Well, since our last podcast, obviously uh, Deshaun Burke became official in the transfer portal. Not a surprise, um, but especially with the way his season ended, um, but that kind of put some finality to it. And so right now they're operating with one open scholarship and – kind of just depending on how these next few days go, I would imagine we'll get a much clearer picture as to what that roster is actually going to look like and the spots that they have to fill going forward into the spring signing period. Um, But, you know, they're still actively recruiting. They're in on, you know, multiple, you know, sit out transfers uh, as well as, you know, a couple high school recruits. So uh, there's a lot of different ways they can go with it. And a lot of it depends on what some of these guys that are up in the air right now decide to do. And I can say that all the conversations that were supposed to happen the Monday after the Big Ten tournament have happened between Fred Hoiberg and, and each individual player. Now it's kind of in the court of the players to go back, talk with their families, and really figure out what the best course of action is. If they want to stick around and maybe play a different, reduced role at Nebraska or you know find greener pasture somewhere else. All right, when we come back, we're going to bring in Husker Online intern Ali Snow, and we're going to take your questions in the mailbag next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I certainly would want to sacrifice a spring game for the sake of the season next year. Uh, I know our, our fans are more passionate than anybody around the country, and it's a tough time not being able to go to baseball games and softball games and track meets and not being able to go to a spring game. But I know the people in Nebraska will overcome and find things to do right now, and, and hopefully we can get back to a point where the best fans in the country can enjoy watching the student-athletes again. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, Nate Klaus. Uh, pleased to bring in Husker Online intern Allie Snow, who remains in uh, quarantine herself or hideout because in, in, it's just shut down. You, you don't have a whole lot going on, do you, Allie? Nope, I really can't do anything. No school, not a lot of work, so I'm locked inside all day. Well, it is time for the mailbag, and obviously not much going on in the sports world, but lots of questions regarding you know what's next, what's happening out there. Uh, what do you have to lead us off with? 
All right, so Omar Manning seems to be one of the more high-profile wide receiver recruits we have had in a while. Could you compare him to Maurice Purify? Why or why not? Yeah, I think that's a fair comparison. Uh, Purify was arguably the top Juco receiver his year. They're built very similarly. Um, the difference, in Nate, you might agree on this or disagree, but Purify wasn't really highly sought after as a football recruit in high school. He was more looked at as a basketball player at City College when he went to San Francisco. In fact, he played basketball there as well as football. He was just such a naturally gifted athlete, obviously wasn't the best student, um, which forced him to go there. And, you know, he went to the Arena League after Nebraska, and, you know, he – broke records playing arena football but never was able to catch on in the NFL um, I would say Manning is probably a tick above Purify uh, but Purify was an awfully awfully dominant player yeah I mean as far as size goes yeah they were very comparable Manning maybe not quite as tall but I think is actually bigger uh, if that makes sense uh, but yeah Purify was just a naturally gifted guy um, but he was not recruited out of high school. Omar Manning was a four-star Army All-American coming out of high school uh, that went to TCU and then went the JUCO route. So, I mean, they had completely different paths. Um, I would say that Manning is probably you know, maybe the more polished receiver, uh, whereas Purify, I think he was just kind of a – I mean, they're both freakish athletes, but I think um, – I think – Purify maybe was just uh, you know relied on it a little bit more than than Manning has to. Does Omar Manning know that snow falls from the sky and doesn't come up from the ground? <laughs> yes. Uh, well, <laughs> context I, to that. Purify yeah. said that in a press conference. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know for a fact that Manning does, but I'm guessing. My hunch would be that Manning knows that uh, snow comes from. To the be sky. fair, Purify though the play he made in that Texas game. I mean, there was like three first round draft picks in that Texas secondary, and he just took like a little 15-yard slant route and broke like three tackles of NFL DBs and scored a 65-yard touchdown. I mean, if Omar Manning can do that, that's going to be pretty dang good because Texas was the defending national champion, and it was not a day to throw the football, and he can make plays like that. I mean, I think people forget some of those plays Purify made at His Nebraska. game winner against Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. Where he just basically boxed out a 5'10 corner and – Taylor threw a perfect he, pass. Yeah, he went up and got it. Nebraska hasn't had a target like that in a while. And he dominated Aqib Talib in that Kansas game. That was mm-hmm. a blowout. That was the game where he almost broke the school record. But anyway, let's let's enough Maurice Purify talk. <laughs> What's next? All right. Now that the season is over, can you give us any behind the scenes nuggets on basketball? How tough was this season on Coach Hoiberg? Obviously, uh, they knew that it was going to be a difficult run, but uh, I don't think anybody expected seven wins and to set records in futility. Uh, so, I mean, it was tough for everyone involved, but I can guarantee you no one took this season harder than Fred Hoiberg. I mean, that guy is a alpha competitor uh, and you don't do the things that he accomplished in his career as a player and as a coach without having that mentality. And so, you know, as much as they tried to prepare themselves for a rough year one, no one thought it was going to get that bad. And so uh, there's nobody chomping at the bit more to get back uh, with a, you know, new roster and a a much more uh, infused talent level to work with that than Fred Hoiberg. And so we'll, we'll see kind of how that goes into year two, but uh, yeah, that was rough. All right. What are the chances spring practice actually resumes in June and who would that benefit the most? I mean, I think that's the optimistic glass half full take right now that that's what's going to happen But until we get a better idea of what this COVID-19 does around the country, around the world, you just can't make that kind of projection. But that to me is maybe the best case scenario. Have your newcomers come in and you're allowed to have 13 practices if you're Nebraskan. The NCAA is going to be very lenient if it gets to this because some schools might be done with spring. Some schools might have five practices left. Some schools might have nine practices left. So I think they're going to have to just allow you to do it how and when you want. And to me, June would make the most sense if we can get to that point where we're safe to practice. I think June's probably the only point that makes sense because uh, you, you can't push it in in July. I mean, that, to have July, July, August back-to-back, I mean, that's a lot of wear and tear on a team that 
uh, you know, is going to have a lot of making up to do with their strength and conditioning. And so June, I think, makes a ton of sense to be able to space things out properly. And as far as who's going to benefit, it's got to be the newcomers, particularly those running backs and wide receivers that are coming on campus that you are going to be counting on to make immediate impacts to allow them the opportunity to get 13 practices under their belt uh, before having to get thrown into it. Uh, that's invaluable right there. Yeah, there's no question every coach in the country that has – um, had their spring ball put on hold is hoping that it, it's able to resume you know in, in late May or June or whatever um, to get those practices in but also like you said Robin the the newcomers um, you know that's that is invaluable for those guys um, and something an added benefit truthfully I mean that's kind of a silver lining if it all is able to play out that way but um, but yeah, I, I think it's we still got a long road before we can say for sure that, that that's even a possibility. Would you, I'd be curious if would it even extend to walk-ons, or would it probably only be scholarship newcomers if you if you could do it in June. I just think if you brought in, you know, your other thirty walk-on guys that are newcomers coming in, that's a lot of new people to break in. But you know, maybe Nebraska would want to do that. It. Lot lots to discuss. What do you have next, Allie? All right, who will be the starting QB for the New England Patriots this upcoming season? Hmm. I'm not much of an NFL guy. I mean, well, right now it was Jared Stitham or whatever that guy's name is. I think he's technically the number one. That will change. Uh, I would imagine they'll part. I mean, there's some free agents out there. Uh, Cam Newton, Cam Newton. Uh, Jameis Winston, uh, Andy Dalton is more than available. I could think. I think Andy Dalton would do very well in New England. Uh, he's. I think he's probably the best of that bunch. Um, especially with all the off the field antics. Yeah, that's what I would. Uh, I'd kind of lean Andy Dalton. And he'd actually have us like a supporting cast around him, an offensive line, some weapons to, to throw to. Um, yeah, that's would make the most sense and in that system. Keep in mind, the Patriots tried to trade up to number one in the draft to get Baker Mayfield, and they weren't able to do it. And so, you know, they, I think they've been looking to get their next quarterback of the future so they could draft one. Tom too. Brady had just such a block on that. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, any time they wanted to get a guy ready to go to replace him, Brady was just a complete jerk about it, right? I mean, he didn't want it to happen. Yeah, I mean, I think there was some different dif disagreements, not with just Brady, but with, you know, Belichick and Kraft. I think, you know, there was a lot of differing opinions on how that should be addressed. And to go get a quarterback in the you know top of the draft – that obviously creates a lot of drama that maybe the Patriots want to stay away from. I'm sure if if do you think Brady, if he had his choice, would have gone to San Francisco and just basically pushed out Garoppolo again? Maybe. I mean, I thought it was weird that he picked Tampa. Uh, I mean, obviously there's the no income tax there or whatever, uh, and then because uh, that he really needs that extra money. Yeah. So who, <laughs> who knows? And like you know, of all the places, Tampa, you know, <laughs> not the sexiest market out there. But you know, I think he also saw that. Tampa Bay's got a lot of weapons. You know, they got a lot of wide receivers. They got a stud tight end in OJ Howard. Uh, and you know, if they are able to go get, you know, maybe a Todd Gurley, a running back, or something like that. Well, Gurley's going to Atlanta. Oh yeah, that's right. So I, I'm trying to keep keep up. But anyway, they got a lot to work with, and I'm sure he saw that as an opportunity to surround himself with as many weapons as possible to to stay at the top. All right, Allie. Uh, final question: What do you have left here for us in the mailbag? Share a story from being home with your families this week. Oh, man. Um, it's It's been interesting wearing multiple different hats, um, just you know, managing homeschool curriculum and helping my kindergarten daughter be on Zoom calls with her class. Um, and my wife, luckily, she's a kindergarten teacher, so she's able to um, – um, you know, do a lot of that stuff, but I, I'm in charge of, um, you know, some of the subject matter every day, but, you know, just keeping everybody entertained and busy, but it, you know, it's time that we'll never have again, um, to, to not have to go anywhere, to not have to be anywhere for, um, you know, work purposes and just to have your family with you like this. I know it's an inconvenience, but I, I think you have to look at it as a, a great blessing too, to have this time. Well, and, you know, in my circumstance, obviously, uh, we just had a new baby son uh, last weekend. Uh, and so being able to stay home with him is probably stuff I'd be doing anyway. And now I have an excuse to uh, just basically go all in on it. And, um, you know, we've my wife and I have divvied up responsibilities pretty well. My, my daughter's only three and a half, so we don't really have to worry too much about like school curriculum. Uh, but between, you know, baby and, uh, you know, cooking meals and all that stuff, we got a pretty good system going right now. So, you know, it, all things considered, uh, our house could be under much more difficult circumstances. Yeah, I think that's that for, for me, uh, that's been the, the biggest thing is just kind of the, the homeschooling uh, portion of it and, and balancing 
Um, you know, when my, when my wife is working, when I'm working, when we're kind of teaching the kids, when we're able to get them outside and burn energy or whatever. Um, but the other added aspect, I guess, and the funny part uh, that I can share is um, my girls, I got a two-year-old and a six-year-old. They've actually been home uh, since March 6th because they came down with strep throat and influenza A. So we're like three and a half weeks going on four weeks of being like home. And so, um, yes, it's a blessing, uh, but I'm, I'm starting to look forward to <laughs> things getting back to normal. And so are my kids. My two-year-old, the other night, uh, she goes, Daddy, uh, w- when can I have a, a babysitter? Uh, and so I'm not quite sure what she's trying to tell me, but, uh, but yeah, that's, uh, I think that. Well, and because of COVID-19, you can't really use grandparents right now. Yeah, exactly. My parents do live in Lincoln now. Uh, they, they moved uh, to Lincoln uh, less than a year ago, but... Yeah, they you can't really, you know, they can't really have the parents or grand, you know, grandpa and grandma come over or whatever. So it's interesting times. Well, Ali, are you watching a lot of Netflix, Hulu? I mean, what are you just? I mean, what do you what do you do? I mean, are you do you actually have to be online and watch lectures? I mean, how do you do these online classes? Yeah, so online classes start next week, not till Monday. So these past two weeks, I mean, I don't have kids or anything to look after, so it's been a lot of Netflix and. I mean, one of my roommates is home, so we'll just like binge watch a show or something. But I started watching that Tiger King documentary on Netflix, which is, (laughs) it's really interesting. Like everybody should watch it. So that's what I'm watching now. But other than that, I do home workouts and that's about it. We're watching the Reese Witherspoon burning show on Hulu, the the new series. But I, I, first time really going through Hulu, I don't like how you can't binge. Like they only release one at a time each week. So you have to kind of like build it up to wait week to week. Where on Netflix, you can get through it all in a week if you want to. Yeah, they, they do it like uh, HBO where you have to sit there and wait. And so at least it gives you something to look forward to. Yeah. I mean, you know. <laughs> It doesn't let you, uh, you know, go through your whole uh, ammunition stockpile. You, know, you get to space it out a little bit. I rewatched episode one of the Wonder Years on, on Hulu. <laughs> I mean, oh, boy. I mean, I'm, I'm, to that. I'm digging down a rabbit hole here. Yeah, that way. All right. Well, that wraps it up. Allie, uh, thanks for coming in, um, and, and hopefully you are getting through this time. And, and I know you got um, graduation in, in May, right? Yeah, if it happens. Hopefully it happens. So. All right. (laughs) Well, thank you again. When we come back, we'll close the show with recruiting. You're listening here to Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Yeah, actually, we just got off a Zoom call. We have one every day. We're really trying to turn our attention to recruiting. There's going to be a, a big hiccup in this recruiting cycle with uh, without being able to have kids unofficially on campus. And we're trying to figure out if we're going to lose our entire spring recruiting, where our coaches go out or not. Uh, we're burning up the phone lines and, and trying to talk to 21 recruits about uh, the great things about Nebraska and trying to get ahead on uh, recruits in the 22 and 23 class. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as you heard head coach Scott Frost there. Um, and I think the whole country is is learning how to use Zoom. It's, if I want to own stock right now, Nate, and a couple of things, it's probably Amazon, Walmart, Zoom, and Hy-Vee. <laughs> well, yeah, there's uh, some senators uh, that, that wisely invested in some telecommunication uh stocks before all this happened so you should have followed suit all right well this segment <laughs> here of the husker online show brought to you by our friends at kugler vision nate uh tell us the latest and greatest with here in, in kugler vision that's right you know just like the best place to get your husker news and scoop is husker online uh the best place to get your vision corrected is uh kugler vision and over 600 people would uh tell you that they they have over 600 five-star reviews uh, online that you can read, um, you know, all happy customers. I am one of them. I could not be more happy uh, and pleased with how my vision has turned out uh, better than 2020. Uh, only took less than five minutes for both of my eyes to be corrected. Um, and, and I encourage you to go to kuglervision.com to, to see how they can help you. All right. Well, recruiting, Nate, um, it's really about the only thing you see going on in college football. A number of teams have picked up commits. Nebraska picks up a commit last week from linebacker Chris Paul. Um, Now, he's an inside guy, right? Yes. And so he's the second inside linebacker in this class. Um, You know, it it makes you wonder what's that, you know, there's going to be some fall down. But first, I want your thoughts on Chris Paul and and, and what he brings to the table. Yeah, well, really good pickup for Nebraska. I mean, obviously – 
that inside linebacker position is a spot where they've really tried to to flip that room. Um, they've needed to add some some talent, some upgrades, some athleticism, and and they've they've done that so far. And and I think they're they're doing a great job so far uh, in this 2021 class too. I, I think uh, you know by getting Randolph Kapai out of uh, Sioux Falls, Washington. Uh, and then adding Chris Paul, who they've been on him for almost a year now, and uh, and hard too. They, it's not like one of those deals where they offered him and um, you know just kind of you know let it let it ride for a while. I mean they've they offered and they've been on him extremely hard uh, for an entire year. Uh, they got him to visit in the fall, um, and he absolutely loved the game day, obviously, and, and everything that went around that. But um, it was that constant communication from Barrett Rood and Sean Becton and, and especially Eric Chenander, too, uh, that I think really – kind of helped, um, you know, Chris Paul make that decision. And, and I think, too, you know, it, some of the, the current state of things, uh, I think he knew where he wanted to go, and there was no reason to wait a whole lot, you know, longer to do it. And so he went ahead and pulled the trigger. And, um, you know, I know that was one of the first questions that a lot of people started asking, well, what, what's going to happen with the new dead period? You know, is recruiting just going to shut down? Um, you know, Nebraska's got a commitment uh, so far, and we're just a couple weeks into the dead period. So uh, I think I think it's going all right. But, uh, you know, really nice addition uh, with Chris Paul there. Now, Nate, you look at inside linebacker. They have two. Um, you know, a lot of questions on the chat this week. Um, number one, what what's going on with Seth Malcolm? You know, does does he have to jump on this? And there's been a lot of buzz about his name um, at that inside linebacker spot. Yeah, so they've got two inside linebackers. Probably, you know, at most one one more. Uh, you know, it would probably fill that that position in this class. And so um, Nebraska is going to have to get really selective. I know they they really like Seth Malcolm. Um, you know, out of uh, Fremont Mills and, and Tabor, Iowa there. And, uh, you know, they, and that's another guy that they offered very early on. Uh, he was a sophomore, you know, the spring of his sophomore year of high school is when they went ahead and offered. And I think they were the second school uh, to go ahead and, and pull the trigger. And they've been on him uh, hard ever since then. So, um, but, you know, we'll see what happens. He, he says that he's going to take uh, all five of his official visits. You know, I, I think that um, right now, it is Nebraska, Iowa State, Kansas State uh, his, in his top three. Uh, I think those it's Minnesota pretty, would be his other Minnesota's team. in there too. Uh, but I, I think I think it's those those three schools kind of have the clear lead. Um, but he right now he says that he's going to be uh, waiting to take his visits before making a decision. So I wouldn't expect. Uh, him to to pull the trigger but he was expected to be on campus for the junior day I think he was going to be making a return trip for the spring game so um, you know regardless of of his plans to take visits I, I think Nebraska is in a good spot right now and Nate a lot of chatter too about Terrence Lewis the um, the rivals top 100 linebacker out of Miami that the Huskers are you know really really working um, he's an outside guy, though. They're not looking – I mean, is Nebraska looking at him as an outside guy, not an inside guy? Uh, I, I think that he could probably do either, but um, primarily they were looking at him to play inside. Line. So, yeah, that, that's where there's some question about if you took Malcolm, how do you take Lewis well, and then all of a sudden have four? Lewis is the type of guy – You take. Yeah, I mean, every year there's probably about 10 to 15 – recruits that if you're lucky enough to get them or if they if, if they called you up and said hey uh, I want to commit uh, it doesn't matter if you've got 10 guys already committed at that spot you you're that's taking, a piece of furniture you make room for in the exactly, house exactly yeah you're you're adjusting your plans uh to to fit him in and so um yeah Terrence Lewis I mean yeah you, he's a take regardless of of what their numbers are um you know in like I said, there's probably 10 to 15 guys every year that you can say that about, but uh, out of those 10 to 15, there might be only three or four that you actually have a realistic shot with. Now, Terrence Lewis, I mean, he is someone that Nebraska has a legit shot with, but um, you know, I, I think he's he's not the type of guy that's going to be making a, a decision here anytime soon. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk recruiting uh, with Nate Klaus. Nate, I know you, Brian Munson, Mike Mattia have have reached out and talked to a lot of guys. You know, the Thomas Fedonis and others of the world. How are they handling this? What are they saying right now? Because they all had spring game plans that have all been tossed out the window, like every kid in the country. Has anybody? said I'm changing my plan now yeah I mean it's kind of been varied um, depending on who you talk who you talk to uh, 
No, but the one constant is pretty much everybody had plans to take at least uh, one or two unofficial visits this spring, and and a lot of guys were going to start uh, having official visits start up, you know, once April first came around, and, and so um, you know Thomas Fedoni in particular. Um, you know, he was supposed to be, I think, Michigan March 31st and Notre Dame April 1st. Well, obviously, those trips aren't going to happen anymore. Um, now, he says that uh, this really hasn't adjusted his timeline to make a commitment right now. I- ideally, he'd like to have it done before the start of his senior season. But, um, you know, he's still kind of playing that by ear. And, and if he's not ready to do it by then, then he's not going to force it. So, um, you know, I, I don't think that this whole situation really impacts his timeline a whole lot. Now, that, that, that could change. You know, if the dead period gets extended and um, all of a sudden you start to talk about, you know, the, the window to take some of those official visits before the fall starts uh, is, is pretty short um, or pretty small, I, I think that – you know, you're going to see a lot more guys adjust their their timeline. Now, you know, there's some wide receivers like Keegan Johnson out of Bellevue West or uh, Jalen Noel out of uh, Kansas City. You know, both those guys, they pretty much told me, hey, look, um, you know, I, I'm still on track. I'm uh, still thinking I'm going to commit, you know, at, at the original time that I wanted to before my senior season, probably end of June, ideally. Uh, but, you know, this is a situation that they're, they're really paying close attention to. And, um, you know, depending on how, how things start to look here in the coming weeks, um, they both told me we could have a decision in May uh, or, or sooner. And so uh, I think that, uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of these guys, they've taken their visits. They've been to Nebraska several times, and that, that's something that the Huskers have going for them. Um, you know, whereas, um, you know, other kids that have not visited Nebraska, I, I think that this is something that kind of hurts them a little bit. All right. Well, there's going to be lots to keep track of, lots to follow as uh, there's one thing that won't stop. And that's the recruiting news as kids are even committing um, without going to campuses, um, as we're seeing that all across the country. And I know Nebraska's coaching staff, Nate, is is on Zoom. They're on Skype or, or FaceTime, whatever means of virtual software they they can have with with these kids and kids are available to talk they're not in school all day coaches aren't coaching practice all day so really as a coaching staff all you can do right now is is facetime and talk with kids and and you have to maximize it yeah and nebraska definitely is you know out of all the guys that i've been talking with and, and communicating with about this situation, um, one thing that's really caught me by surprise, or not surprise necessarily, but uh, has really stood out to me, I guess I should say, is is just how uh, consistent Nebraska's been with the communication. Uh, almost every player that I've talked with has mentioned Nebraska as one of the teams recruiting them the hardest, one of the teams that they talk with the most. And it typically is not just one coach on the, the Nebraska staff. It's it's a handful of coaches. You know, uh, you know, they're talking with uh, Ryan Held. They're talking with Matt Lubick. They're talking with, uh, you know, Scott Frost himself. I mean, they are working the phones. They're they're working. They're doing FaceTime, Zoom, whatever. Um, and, and they're getting after it quite a bit. So, um, you know, I, I think that's something that, uh, you know, could pay off down the road. Um, you know, there's also some guys that have been naming or, or you know, telling me that uh, the, the name, image, and likeness stuff has, has kind of caught their attention. You know, the, the partnership that they had with Open Doors and, um, you know, they're really hitting the new facilities quite hard too. So um, they, they do have a little bit of momentum going for them despite, you know, the, the – uh, the uncertain times right now. All right. Well, lots to keep up on. Um, make sure you log on to HuskerOnline.com as anything changes uh, with what's going on in this COVID-19 shutdown. We will keep you up to date here on the latest. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.